Welcome back to Mox Madness. Yeah, baby, we are back. We are doing it again. What's that smell? Doing it again. Do you smell that? smells like we're recording earlier than we normally record. Oh, yes. It's not been two weeks since we last saw each other. Me and David talked to each other last week. <laughs> I, I I haven't even recovered from seeing him last time I saw him. This is this is new and exciting. We're gonna record two more episodes because you know we're we're doing that thing again where we promise you I, that we're gonna do things and then don't. I would also treat doing things with me like an injury that you have to heal from. Because- <laughs> uh, as as was pointed out in Discord, uh, it was a, <laughs> uh, a user Discord. I think Fecal Feast is the one that was doing it. Um, get a better username so I can call call it out and not feel dirty when I do it, dude. But uh, he was saying that he he heard us last time talking about going to two a week, and then quickly yeah. kind of scrolled forward and was able to quickly confirm that that didn't happen because um, he was <laughs> binging it. I'm like, yeah, no, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. But uh, as as life stuff has settled a little bit, things are coming into you know the world's still on fire, but you know it's yeah. gonna stay on fire, and we figured out what that looks like. So maybe we're gonna do. Yeah. This. Maybe we're gonna try. We're gonna see. Sure. We're we're building up. We're building up. We're chugging that train up the hill and this is the first step towards it so uh strap in maybe at some point again if you're binge listening scroll forward see if we went to two if we didn't just just ignore it don't get your hopes up we're bad we we lie to you all the time we don't do the thing we say we're gonna do um if there's one thing we do do though <laughs> do do there's one thing we do it is come to you once every every week live on yes. wednesday uh not live it's not live at all um but but not we are here every live. wednesday in your ears um damn it's only been a week did anything happen it feels like it's been a boring week Feels like it's um, <sighs> no one see, died. Trump didn't die. That didn't happen. No, that's very that's very unfortunate. He's very alive. He's Chris chugging. Christie's out of the hospital. He's not going to die. It doesn't look like any of them are going to yeah, die of this, which we kind of knew. Nothing is is going well in, in no. that department. They're not dying of the. They're having the COVID dueling thing. town halls as we speak. Ooh, yeah, that's an interesting one. Yeah, we don't really um, care about any of that though. No, no. I mean, again, because that's that's all electoral stuff. I mean, there's been there's been electoral hot takes, all that kind of thing. Yeah, but and no just, one really no one really gives a crap. Twitter went down for a bit no. today, and people lost their goddamn minds, as <laughs> is the case. We have the ability to oh. voice tweet now. Strap on for that. That's the biggest news oh. of the week. We're gonna voice tweet uh, at you now. Diane Feinstein was was <laughs> hugging hugging people about after after she was impressed by uh, by Barrett. Like loudly uh, impressed, she was hugging the, hugging Lindsey Graham with no mask on. The libs the, so. and the libs are like, I think it's time for die. All the same libs that were like outraged when people were threatening to primary here again. The most tiny little insignificant of protest towards the system. People were, yeah. oh, how dare you not respect her service? But now that she's not playing into the fun West Wing script that they have in their heads, uh, they're all like, I think it's finally time for her to step down. Um, just again, they just, they have no morals or, or ethics or backbone no, or anything. They just, it's theater. It's, it's all theater a game. To them. It's yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's performance theater. It's outrage. You, you, you want to pick the good guys and you want to be on the good guys and being a good guy means saying the same, the right thing or doing a little sass or whatever. Um, and then maybe you eke in a, a 1% change, on on the the problems that that are bipartisanly caused and with a very wonkish set of rules and then you say look we're the good party that cares about these people you know speaking of the good party that cares about these people and uh and and diane's uh counterpart in the house uh, uh yeah. nancy pelosi uh making wolf blitzer look like a hard-hitting journalist jesus christ oh. how do you do that to wolf blitzer too how? he's such a sack of ass he is such a he and you could tell every time he just wanted to roll over and play dead and gave her like the easy out and she kept needing to be like no no i'm good i'm good don't you dare make me not feel good about myself now hmm. Hmm. we feed them what the fuck does that mean nancy what does yeah. that mean <laughs> We feed them. God damn. Like, it's just, again, when Wolf Blitzer makes you look like you are the the progressive, like he's the progressive champion, really hard hitting, you fucked up. I mean, you just fucked up so bad. You you fucked up bad. Um, I guess the other thing, I mean, because, and this is where it takes me a second, because I I, I never prepare my brain well enough. Yes, because even though we do do the same thing every time, you always act shocked when I go like, hey, David, did anything happen? Yeah, I know. For all the t- times you've credited me for like keeping this a chugging every week, I am the most disorganized person in humankind, and I no, never no. prepare well. Authors um, keep us chugging every week. If we were responsible for keeping this train moving, we'd have been fucked a long oh, time we'd ago. Been done for. Um, 
but <laughs> but anyway um so bolivia is about to have some elections which of course oas uh, among other among other monitoring you know groups are supposed to monitor and help assist with which is is kind of where you can see the writing on the wall that that the us is unsurprisingly going to try to help the coup government you know What's uphold OAS? Uh, American, I can't remember what it stands for. It's the it's the America back, like the leadership of all the um, Central and South American countries. Oh, okay, um, all right, cool. I I, I just didn't know. I Organization know. of American States. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All it's right. the it's kind of like it, it's it's the little you know Monroe Doctrine UN where where the U.S. puts puts their puppets. It's the um, Concacaf. It's Concacaf, but instead of for football. Yeah, I mean, and it, well, and, and and I say that it's actually. I don't want to call it. I don't want to call it the, the Monroe Doctrine NATO because it doesn't really like bomb people the same way. It's more for like you know coups and clandestine shit and like hey now you know bullying treaties and stuff like that. And and considering all of the genocides that like Reagan backed, you know. But yeah, no, the OAS otherwise is is it's it's basically Monroe Doctrine NATO. Okay. Um, Tracks. So yeah, I mean it's not not a good thing. <laughs> well, no. And, uh, no so based on what you said, in, it didn't sound great. Yeah, uh, so when they're coming in to, to help assist with the elections, that's bad. That's real bad. Um, but then there are all kinds of international uh, election watchers, and um, I forget what you call them, where they're, they're supposed to monitor it. And, and apparently the the coup regime is not treating them oh so well. What? Yeah. Didn't the coup Turns regime out, already pull out? Like, they're not even running anymore? Like, why do they give a shit? They're, they're not, but they can't... They, they did it too late to where I don't know if anyone will actually vote for them, but they, they're very clearly lining up behind Mesa. Like, so they didn't do the, they, they didn't the only learn, chance they have. They didn't learn from their uh, corrupt counterparts north of north, very north of the border, north of yeah. a lot of borders in America and didn't do the good DNC consolidation way ahead of time. Uh, they, we had enough time to, to lump behind your one candidate and push forward. OK, all right. Yeah, that's they, good. they did not. But they are very much trying to last second coalesce behind mesa um and the way they're kind of openly panicking about it i wonder because every even the right wing polls uh done in very right wing white supremacist areas are showing our say and and ma Arce is the Moss candidate yeah. we talked about this before yeah okay yeah no i knew i knew Moss. i knew Moss was the other candidate knew Arce was there was their guy i've got a little bit yeah okay okay um but anyway um so you know They've got Arce close to a first round win yeah. already because I saw the, the, you win by plurality, the, but it's a it's a two round thing. To, wasn't to there win that by poll plurality. that had him at like, like Arce at like fifty one percent, and then the, the yeah, cool, and that the, would be a first next, round win. The Mesa guy at sixteen percent, but they made the sixteen percent and the fifty one look like super duper close. Yeah. Yeah, they did. It was like if you look at the, the the scale things they've got, yeah, it looks like sixteen and 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 um forty or fifty one percent would be like two percentages apart. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> you they, know, they, everyone's like, tiny and it scales neck up. And neck, wait a minute, and then like and then you look at the numbers, and it's like eleven percent <laughs> is one to the right of the sixteen, and it looks like nothing. Like it's insignificant. Yeah. It's like guys, you're just playing Calvin Ball with numbers now, and it's, it's yeah, it's funny to me, but come on. Yeah, but no, but Camacho's still. And Camacho's the, you know, kind of the more the the leader of their far right. Um, he's still technically in the running, um, not even like pulled out the way that uh, um, Anya's did. Yeah, Anya's. Um, and so they're, you know, they're not lining up very well. <laughs> they're not yeah, organized I mean, that very tracks, well. That tracks. Yeah. And that, I mean, that's the other part. That's, that's the one thing that keeps you know when when we do this like overly capable cia and we tell you like of course you know they've got enough money that that the bumbling empire isn't that bumbling and and that narrative works in their favor they still are going to have a lot of trouble with clandestine stuff and only get it to work their way because they have so much fucking money to throw at the the problem and so many ways to try it and so many things going in their favor with their entire apparatus because sometimes it's hard to do clandestine stuff because what you're doing is you're leveraging the interests of a very small group that's benefited from uneven systems and another country against that country. Right. And then you're throwing them a little 
extra assistance or money or, or weapons just to to leverage that interest and, and to push it a little further and to, to you know bring the heat on and help them organize you know their color revolutions and stuff like that but you're not doing that with people that were faithful to the government and you turn them away except for maybe like you know if you're doing a coup maybe like one or two high-ranking officials that you can find a little dissatisfied and throw some money at but generally you know the mass group that you're behind they're going to have their own interests and if it's multiple mass groups against a left government and they they snipe at each other they don't like each other and don't want each other to win all of a sudden it's kind of hard to coalesce against that leftist government yep no i mean it's it's, easy to do that that leftist government is in power and popular right i I don't even like the 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 term leftist but what i'm i I, i'm combining you know i I, anti-imperialist i'm combining you know social democrats because in the global south i think you know i don't think in the global north you could be a social democrat and be anything but an imperial social imperialist and and you know to me that's not revolutionary you're not you know i don't care <laughs> but in the global south i think you could be a social democrat and still be revolutionary if you see that as the path to gaining power without being totally annihilated well, mostly because it's, I, I, and again that that is not like a, a theoretical thing where you're trying to draw an invisible line that's because there is material reasons to think that way you yes, see yes that's a material social, condition thing. you see yeah. social democrats and, take and, power and in, in the global south and actually affect change for their people along these lines whereas in the in in the in the, in the imperial core we, yeah. we see people talk about it and then you have the uh what is it? The the Justice Democrats, that pack that was formed exclusively yeah. to be like against like against the mainstream Democrats and fight for them is now running ads for Joe Biden. Like, no, right. no, no, not going to cut it there. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, but anyway, sometimes it's a little hard to line that stuff up. So they're going to have a little trouble getting uh, Mesa up there and they really just need it to be close enough to bullshit and say Mesa one, like do some voter suppression in specific areas and the way they're polling, you know, if, if the regular vote happens are say wins, you know, first round victory, which is just a sweeping undeniable, you know, victory. I think it's over 39% and it gets a first round victory. It's based on like how many parties run and stuff like that. It's, it's um, again, every constitution is a little different and runs their elections a little differently. Um, and they have a, a plurality of, of multiple parties and multiple candidates. Um, and then, you know, even if they, they can force it to a second round and try to game it and try to delay things and game it a time, another time, you know, that's a strategy for them. Uh, but they're going to have to have it at least close enough to pull one of those off. If he wins a, a first round victory, even with some voter suppression tactics, you know, all they're going to have is violence and it's a little harder to get the buy-in on on some of those situations versus like saying Assad's gassing his own people and they got the white helmets, you know, lined up. Yeah. Yeah. So that that has been that has been your productive current events and yeah, things in pay, the news. Pay attention to, to Bolivia this this pay attention month, to Bolivia. The next couple of weeks, um, yes. As, depending on when this comes out. Now here's here's Nathan's contribution to, to current mm-hmm. events. And that's a video came out today. Oh boy! Oh, a video came out today, um, and we're gonna watch that video together as a team, as a unit. Okay. So, in case we didn't already cover it, this is a, again a video from those those two weird teens that tried to make Mike Gravel a thing, and then they started their their thing that's trying to be PragerU but for the left. And I'm not gonna hold out judgment on that project yet. If you want to try and make good stuff, we'll see. But this is the first video I've seen from that particular thing. It's on the Civil War. Uh, and we've talked about that a bit, so I'm curious how they handle this particular hot topic. Let's see. What do you know about the American Civil War? Just saying these words, the Civil War, probably brings some familiar images to mind. Northern soldiers in Union blue marching against Southern troops in Confederate gray. Epic battles at Shiloh and Gettysburg. Abraham Lincoln's Emancipation Proclamation and the end of slavery. The victory of the Union over the Confederacy. But there's something else you should know about that era. Something that ties these events together and that you probably didn't learn in school. The Civil War was also America's greatest left-wing revolution. Here's how. In the early 19th century, African slavery was the foundation of social and economic life in the American South. Millions of black workers were owned as property by wealthy planters who denied them education, controlled their family lives, and reaped the fruits of their labor. This system was wildly profitable, and the wealth it produced allowed a tiny elite to dominate Southern and national politics. And before the Civil War, it was expanding all across the Western Hemisphere. 
In 1860, between the United States, Brazil, and Cuba, there were more enslaved people than ever before. For years, a small group of American abolitionists had denounced slavery as an abomination. These radical activists were scorned by much of society and ignored by both the two mainstream political parties. But in the 1850s, as slaveholders tried to extend slavery across the West, their opponents made a breakthrough. The old two-party system melted down, and the new Republican Party won massive Northern support by opposing slavery's expansion while putting bondage itself on a road to ultimate extinction. The abolitionists broke through in part because they named the slave power as the oppressive ruling class that it was. They pointed out that slaveholders were just one percent of the population, but somehow controlled every branch of government. They argued that black bondage was not just morally wrong, but a threat to free labor everywhere. The struggle between anti-slavery and slavery, said Abraham Lincoln, was part of the eternal struggle between the common right of humanity and the divine right of kings. The same spirit that says, "You toil and work and earn bread, and I'll eat it." It was the common worker, black or white, against the rich. These populist assaults on the ruling class helped Lincoln's party win the election of 1860. Contemporaries called it a political revolution. Its threat to slaveholders was so serious that they formed their own separate republic, the Confederate States of America. In the Civil War that followed, the stakes were clear: the Union fought against human bondage, for a democratic majority, and for the dignity of all labor. The Confederacy fought to preserve bondage and elite rule. Never. Confederates fought, as Lincoln told Congress in 1862, to put capital—that's wealth—measured in human beings above labor in the structure of government. Enslaved laborers understood these stakes. Hundreds of thousands fled to Union lines even before emancipation was proclaimed. Radical abolitionists knew it too. Frederick Douglass barnstormed the country, rousing black men to enlist in the Union Army. By war's end, around 200,000 black soldiers and sailors had taken up arms to crush the rebellion. The cause of the Union was the cause of the international left. While conservative aristocrats and capitalists in Europe sympathized with the Confederacy, radicals and labor organizations supported the Union. In 1864, a German journalist named Karl Marx declared that the American anti-slavery war would launch a new era of ascendancy for the working class. Emancipation, as Marx understood, was not a middle-class reform project. It was a true social revolution. Only in the United States and in Haiti was emancipation sudden, uncompensated, and enforced by former slaves themselves. That revolution remains incomplete. After the war, former slaves and radical Republicans were defeated by what the scholar W. E. B. Du Bois calls a counter-revolution of property. Led by former slaveholders and conservative businessmen, under the terror of Jim Crow segregation, many of the Civil War's victories for labor and for democracy were rolled back, but not all. The destruction of American chattel slavery was a historic and enduring victory. It meant that Black Southerners were able to create the schools and the churches that seeded their later fight against Jim Crow. It radically expanded American democracy and made the modern labor and civil rights movements possible. The Civil War was America's greatest left-wing revolution. Even now, its work remains unfinished. But every left-wing struggle for the rule of democratic majorities, for the rights of labor over property, and for meaningful freedom and equality can claim its legacy. I'm Matt Carp, associate professor of history at Princeton University for the Gravel Institute. Okay. Okay. So. Uh, yeah, God, uh, folks, gang. Okay. Um, we, I will say, I will say there, there's, there's, there are, it wasn't completely bad. Exactly. I, there I, is, that's the, that's the problem. There's like hints that they get it. They, they can see yeah. some of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, to see that the, like who backed, you know, the emancipation of slaves versus, mm-hmm. versus who did not, you know, but it, Except- the biggest problem is less is less how they said what they did say. Although, you know, they said some things. It's just how they said it. The biggest thing is what they didn't say, you know? Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Also, um, I'm going to take big issue with one thing they definitely said, which was Lincoln somehow putting slavery as like a key thing that he mm-hmm. was running on and that he want the, oh, yes, yeah, is a very bad day. F- um, no. No, uncr- no, incorrect, false. Yes, um, not even, book. not even true. There is but a also- book. We're reading it. No, you, you <laughs> they cited, cited Du Bois. Du Bois. You cannot then know. 
<laughs> I also like how they, they cited Lincoln as the reason for the split to the Confederacy and not the economic crisis. Yeah, just and and more. I again, I don't I, I agree. And we because we've mentioned this, that the yeah. Civil War was the 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 shot for for it was the closest thing to a full blown emancipatory yeah. revolution this country has ever had but it oh, was yeah. not yeah, because of a small itself. group yeah. of radical abolitionists i resent no. the fuck out of that portrayal as it well it was because the slaves freed themselves yes forcibly yes yes, yes. that and, is and that's and, and again and the he other talks, thing you is know that he that talks that, about like um douglas rallying and now douglas was a great great leader don't get me wrong you yeah. know i mean i you want you want to praise frederick douglas i'm down all that but but these slaves were choosing to take up arms themselves they could see the light for reasons that they understood and did not need to be told by anybody else yes yes they didn't need a, le- they didn't need a, a, a great man leader to come in and tell them no these people understood the emancipatory power of violence and what needed to be done and made those yes. decisions and we saw it again page after page after page chapter after chapter of this book so far has laid out that out very clearly and laid out again that the north had no interest in this that this was yes. this was absolute yes was this a class but, but we see again you're talking about oh well this is a battle for the working class no 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 stop doing class reductionism this wasn't yes. a class based thing the, we've talked time and time again about how the poor whites were willing to sell out the fucking black man at every single mm-hmm. turn this is not your mm-hmm. fucking Bernie Sanders sock them shit where you can boil everything down to worker versus not worker and say that everyone's on the same team based on that it doesn't work that way oh yeah and again i mean you got to realize these guys are coming from a place where you know you you oppose the most egregious american imperial wars and you want a little more of a social safety net and you think that's being anti-capitalist and again i'm and, not gonna con- i'm not i, I don't want to talk broadly because again i haven't watched the rest of their stuff i'm no, not gonna no, talk no, no, broadly but, on but again you can a see point of this. not saying something there where they they brought up like you know the the monarchies and the the ruling classes of say europe mm-hmm. that were on the side of the confederacy and they didn't say why uh <laughs> yeah and they're not <laughs> like, and again i get i don't get the i don't get the purpose of I, I don't get the hagiography of Lincoln. I don't get why they yeah. knew. What was the point of injecting Lincoln? And so I guess my question is, because someone did ask, the uh, and for, for reference, just so I don't forget it, Zach from Psychic Dolphin Garage, thank you, uh, show, put that video out in Discord today and, and so we could have some talkie time about it. Um, and I absolutely told him I was stealing it for the show. So thank you, Zach. Um, yes. But it was... Uh, the question was, you know, is this a good thing to show someone that's on the fence? Is this something, is this a good introductory thing? And I'm like, I don't even know anymore. Who was that it's, for? That's not going right. to convince you if you think the opposite. If you no, think if you think the Civil War was the war of Northern aggression and that all this is nonsense, nothing in there was compelling in any way that no. made me think differently. But it was just a, it's the same thing that like every, nor is that they, kind of person really going to be turned by like an internet. You know? No, but their <laughs> argument is, well, well, Prager you is radicalizing the, the mushy middle people. And we need to have something just as impactful. And if you've watched yeah. the Prager you video, uh, that no, no, one of them, no, one of them might try and be convinced. That makes you feel nothing. There is yeah. nothing in that, that had any emotional content of any kind that I, 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 saw and again there's it was a framing thing it's hey wouldn't it be wacky if we thought of the civil war as like a uh feel the burn moment but for the 1860s that'd be cool wouldn't it that's all it feels like it doesn't feel like you're fundamentally changing the the combatants it doesn't feel like you're trying to understand you know what narrative are you trying to disprove there that's the other thing is like if you go to convert squishy middle people you need a compelling why you know so this is one of the best things about like like michael perenni's black shirts and reds yeah right it it comes right out hot and says you know they talk about you know what what fascism is like but they don't talk about who support or then or who opposed it but they don't talk about like who supported it right what fascism did all the corporate ties it had he comes he comes out hot and says that i mean it's a very simple read yeah. Um, strongly recommend black shirts and red to anyone. Um, and you could do the same thing with the civil war. I mean, very much the reason, and that's why it, that's where it's important with what they didn't say. And I, I immediately mm-hmm. brought up the, the stuff with Europe and not saying why, right? If you don't understand that, uh, 
American Southern plantations and, and cotton mainly, and then secondarily, you know, Caribbean plantations, sugar plantations, things like that, are what launched capitalism and what made the bourgeoisie and kept them rich and gave them power and still gave plenty of, of you know, wealth and power to their monarchical rivals <laughs> and colonial rivals in Europe, then you don't understand why the ruling classes in Europe supported the, the South. That doesn't make any sense. They have plenty of business ties with the North, mm-hmm. right? They needed that. They needed to, to cave off free labor. And all of a sudden, now you're unraveling, oh, capitalism was spurred from that. It really was. It's not just American wealth was built on the back of sl- backs of slaves, and that's true. The entire capitalist system was built on the backs of slaves. And that money sits, you know, across two continents all among white people and and it has to be reproduced that way and that's why you know say your jobs go overseas because if they don't have that slave market in the south then they're not going to pay you you know twenty dollars an hour to make a shirt when they can pay someone 30 cents an hour in a sweatshop and you know god knows what country halfway across the world right they're not going to pay you for customer service when they can they can pay a call sender you know halfway around the world nothing and even then it just doesn't feel like (sighs) does explaining that the civil war had radical potential change anything about the way you think about things no if you if you say what that radical potential was and why it failed it does that and and you're getting to the point i don't give a shit i don't need a five minute video explaining to me why the civil war was was about people rising up against their oppressors that narrative's already baked into the civil war i need to know why that failed and then regressed hard right into a form of pseudo slavery Mm -hmm. immediately what and why it matters to me now what problems did you encounter once you once you had that fight when you got your power and you started ruling what what stopped you why did this regress why did we end up in the system we're in i need a five minute video on reconstruction not on the civil Mm -hmm. war being an emancipatory thing we know about the civil war Mm -hmm. we don't know about reconstruction and we're learning every sentence everything since the civil war ended to now leave out lincoln leave out gettysburg leave out the rest of that shit we don't ken burns did a documentary we're fine what i need to know (laughs) is the shit that they don't talk about and that is fundamentally important to how we ended up in this position what what happened to that power vacuum when you weren't willing to use force when you weren't willing to go in and actually enforce Force reconstruction and what happens when you have a weak ass backboneless, you know, uh, electoral class that is not willing to yeah. risk anything to enforce the change that needs to happen. I mean, that's that's the best thing to point out when people are like authoritarian do, 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 and we're like, you know, I mean, we're out there trying to 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 illuminate these lies about say like you know Stalin to a point, and that is useful. Otherwise, we'd have stopped doing it a long time ago. I know some people are like, why is that useful? What does that care to me? And it, but it, I, I mean, it actually the fuck is useful, or you wouldn't be doing it. It matters. Um, and, and we go out and do that stuff, and yet the most important thing is – and then it will come back to is like, well, still, like, why are they authoritarian, the Iron Curtain, da 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 and, Well, because they were fighting fascism. You could point to our own fucking history right here and be like, well, this is what happens when you don't do it. Imagine if, if, imagine if instead of Andrew Johnson, we had Andrew Stalin enforcing reconstruction <laughs> give me someone with one half of stalin's testicular fortitude well, to rush in there and just pound down reconstruction well, down to and these on top locks. of that because leader, leadership is vital right but we there's a reason we don't buy in a great man theory not just not just andrew stalin but imagine andrew if the, stalin you know, and the nk usd or whatever they're gonna I be i was gonna say imagine if the republican party in lincoln's time was anything like the hagiographic reputation it has now <laughs> was anything yeah. like that if, if it was anything like the bolsheviks oh or my if god it was anything like you know i mean if there, if were, it actually if there were 10 meant, more thaddeus stevens in the group that were willing yes. to kind of push and give you some momentum yeah i mean like if it's 10 percent of the government instead of 90 percent, fine if they're if they're thaddeus stevens you know militant right imagine if there was just enough of them to to make sure that you know that that black people got the land redistribution and were armed and and were given you know the right to to um you know defend, vote and educate defend right themselves away, you know? against the yeah. Ku Klux Klan. Yeah, I you mean, know, I mean just, just imagine that. Imagine imagine we hadn't immediately seen the rise of these you know um ind- basically you know offshoot independent militias, the stuff the Second Amendment does protect and, and why why racists point to it you know that the kkk and stuff but also the rise of policing you know imagine imagine 
we saw didn't see like the race riots because people were too afraid to go right and, and, and lynch black people, you know, because they were armed. Right. Mm-hmm. Imagine if you Completely had a different uh, country. Uh, imagine if we history. had done forced collectivization of the plantations like we did. with yeah. Kuhu, Like, do you we had we were at about and correct me if I'm going too far off pace here. America 1860 agriculturally in terms of how they were mm-hmm. developed probably mirrors not that differently from 1915 1917 Russia am i wrong are 40 to 50 years say, in terms of agriculture in terms I would of say technological that the capacity the capacity for being able to industrialize rapidly just because of modern technologies would lean Russia there but like pre-industrialization where it was at yeah yeah, I mean, probably about the same. Probably functionally about the same. About seventy five percent hand tool. You know, not a lot of automation, not a lot of big machinery. But again, you know, but but the ability to be again, you there there is a, you could have done it. It was there if you had the will to do it. So again, you can give me all this. Oh, authoritarianism was so bad. I've seen what the democratic solution to enforcing your revolution is. I have a great example, uh, and it's Reconstruction, and in fact, it's Black yep. Reconstruction in America. And- Page two seventeen. No, and it's relevant now. I mean, that's the point of that video is to tie it back to now, right? That's what you should be doing. It's relevant now. Who, who in their right mind thinks all of these, you know, all of these Republicans that that would still tell you that, you know, they'll still come up and go, well, Obama's a Muslim, so he shouldn't be president and arrest Hillary Clinton. Like they still fucking say that shit Lindsey years later. Graham said black people can go anywhere in South Carolina as long as they're conservative. Yeah, like all these people Out that loud. would drive down. All these people drive down the street. They don't. They don't give a shit about. By the way, they, they just want to show off that the rules don't apply to them. And they'll be in their big fucking super lifted trucks that they'll intentionally make blow out noxious black smoke fumes and, and not pass because they can get away with some like you know weird ass gymnastics of of emissions laws. And they'll plant like snake flags or Confederate flags or Trump flags hanging off the thing. Like every one of these fuckers and they're like, you come for my guns, you know, see or, or like, you know, if, if you want to kneel down, kneel down in front of my truck or whatever fucking death threat bullshit they throw up randomly, right? Um every fucking one of them. Do you think they're just gonna roll over because you went, well, let's go about this democratically. No. No. And again, and we've seen let's meet in the middle. And and this isn't a theory. This isn't a hypothesis. This is a thing we know to be true in yeah. this country with these demographics. And we're reading about it right now. And they, so, I, yeah. Yeah. I yeah. Think, I mean, here's the fact of the matter is when these when you think about these forces and you think, let's meet in the middle. That's because that's where they've got your grave duck. Like mm-hmm. they don't play by the rules. Yeah. They don't play fair. And they're playing to kill you. Treat, yeah, treat it that way. They are. They're murderous, sick, racist fucks. The it, it's labor all they are. movement comprehended. I tried three segues. Now I'm just going to start reading. The labor movement <laughs> comprehended, therefore, chiefly northern skilled laborers. Among them, organization was growing. Recovering from the oppressions of war, there were 79 craft unions at the end of 1863, and they had grown to 270 in 1864. Ten national unions were formed between 1863 and 1866, and by 1870, there were 32 national unions. But almost none of these unions mentioned the Negro or considered him or welcomed him. A National Assembly of North America was held at Louisville, Kentucky in 1864 and passed resolutions concerning working men and labor conditions. But it said nothing of the greatest revolution in labor that had happened in America for 100 years, the emancipation of slaves. This goes right back to what was not said in that that mm-hmm. video about mm-hmm. white workers. And I do love trying this to too. make it a class thing, and the the uh, the revolution that was that was enforced by the oppressed, enforced by the yeah. uh, the slaves. Um, where, when, when were they actually doing? Are you talking about just South Carolina for that one period of time? Because for the most part, they were not put in charge or even allowed any sort of a real emancipation or franchise. So uh, no. again, stretching the limits. Did- and they, they sure as hell didn't dictate the terms because you know what you would have said if he asked them? They'd say, yeah, I'll take voting and being armed and some land and, and an we've education. Heard, we've heard time and time again in this, the, the words of what, what was asked, and it was such a basic level ask, and, and they mm-hmm. weren't even great at that. It's, it's yeah. insulting. Meantime, a new flood of cheap immigrant labor was brought into the country to work on the railroads and in the new industries. Northern mill owners who had feared free farms because they might decrease the number of laborers and rise their raise their wages were appeased by the promotion of alien immigration. 
again. <laughs> we oppose immigration right up until we need immigration, and then we got to find a new way to demonize immigration and the circle be unbroken. Uh, it was interesting to hear the Union Party, as the Republicans called themselves in 1864. Love the rebranding. Got to do an on the fly <laughs> remix. Yeah. Uh, say in their platform, foreign immigration, which in the past has added so much to the wealth and development of resources and the increase of power to this nation, the aspirations of the oppressed of all nations should be fostered and encouraged by a liberal and just policy. That year, the Bureau of Immigration was created and it authorized to import workers bound for a term of service. The letter of the law was afterwards changed, but the practice continued for a long time. Man, how many times have we seen that? <laughs> how many <laughs> that times? Is the, we've talked about so many times in this book, just little things like, there's the story of America. Well, guess what? There's the story, story of, of America. In order to promote a healthy immigration and bring the, the people we need, I, Nancy Pelosi, say we must create ICE. Let's go. Weehaw! In 1860, immigrants were coming in at a rate of 130,000 per year. The outbreak of the war brought the number down. But the new homestead laws began to attract them so that after the war of immigration quickly rose from 200,000 to 350,000 a year. And in 1873, had reached 460,000 annually. One of those people was Tom Cruise in the movie Far and Away. And that movie's a piece of just actual garbage, just actual pure garbage. Um, throw it in the trash crap. can next to Top Gun. It is so um, no, it's worse because it also includes some like indigenous land theft and some mm. racism, all sorts of great things. Top Gun just Top Gun's just kind. I don't know. I mean, that volleyball scene does things to you. I don't know. I don't know what to say about it. <laughs> um, but anyway, what I was going to say is, it's weird how when you just offer someone else's land as if there aren't human beings there to anyone that wants to come in and settle. All of a sudden, there's these huge immigration spikes, and this is the difference. And this is the problem with collapsing the word, you know, immigrant. I mean, it's it's technically correct to collapse, it, and that's what Du Bois is doing here. But there's a big difference from you know someone who's you know say mestizo or even indigenous from Mexico coming up to unite with family versus you know someone from like Germany, Germany coming over to to make wealth. Right. I mean, there's a huge difference. I don't know what you're talking about. Looks around St. Louis, Deerbergs. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. Uh oh. Oh, dear. Oh, Anheuser-Busch. Uh oh. Oh, dearie. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm sure that land was theirs when they got here. Um, it was all too true, as Senator Wilson of Massachusetts said in the 38th Congress. But it was truth that white laborers did not yet realize. We have advocated the rights of the black man because the black man was the most oppressed type of toiling man in this country. I tell you, sir, that 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 the man who is the enemy of the black laboring man is the enemy of the white laboring man the world over. The same influences that go to keep down and crush the rights of the poor black man bear down and oppress the poor white laboring man. Now, I don't like this. this. It's. It's a correct statement that more white people need to realize, but it's a correct statement that equates white oppression to black oppression, Thank which you. is wildly incorrect. And there are way too many white laborers, especially at this time, but even now, that don't agree with this this statement well enough. And that's a problem. So there's, I think there is a gradient, and I think that's an interesting point, because it is fundamentally there is a point where you can disagree with this and go, absolutely not, that's not the case, and you think that the black yeah. worker and the white worker are enemies and that's fundamentally untrue you got to get rid of that false premise but then you also Mm -hmm. have the false premise of yeah but you can absolutely support white laboring people and raise them up greatly and still completely oppress black laboring people those are not mutually exclusive you can manage to do one without the other uh and it happens a lot well, I mean, and, and we shouldn't take the centering away from America's history and black people, but just because analogies always help people understand it, you could see this kind of thing. And this is where, you know, they, they can bring up the bullshit about like, do, 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 you know, Hitler was, was left or whatever in, in fascism, because there were specific things that, you know, they it was only able bodied whites, right? Even disabled and gay whites did, did not get these same um, things, but they would you know, they would do things provide for white people, the Aryan people, but look what they did Jews and disabled people and, you know, communists and, 
and again, white is white is a doing doing a lot of work there. Yeah, you're you're yeah. you're right because there are just. I mean, again, nothing is so. Yeah, I mean, that's, don't it's, reduce it's just, things down that much. Again, there are broad categories we got to look at and destroy, but I just that kind of talk always makes me very leery because it usually comes from someone that can't see. That, that, that there is actually a higher level of oppression beyond just being yeah. a working person. Like there are great, yeah, there's a there distinct difference. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of distinct differences, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. The first international working men's association formed by Karl Marx do, 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 in London in 1864 wrote Lincoln after his second election and said from the commencement of the Titanic American strife, the working men of Europe felt distinctly that the star spangled banner carried the destiny of their class. Oh, Carl, Ooh, you wrote cringe. Carl, no, Carl, you posted cringe. Delete it. No, the cop. Stop simping for the flag. The contest for the territories which opened the epoch was it not to decide whether the virgin soil, Carl, stop it, of immense tracts should be wedded to the labor of the immigrant or be prostituted by the tramp of the slave driver. Carl, no, just no, Carl, bad. When an oligarchy of 300,000 slaveholders dared to inscribe for the first time in the annals of the world slavery on the banner of armed revolt, when on the very spots where hardly a century ago the idea of one great democratic republic had first sprung up, whence the first declaration of the rights of man was issued, and the first impulse given to the European revolution of the 18th century, when on those very spots, counter-revolution with systemic thoroughness gloried in rescinding the ideas entertained at the time of the formation of the old constitution, mm, a, lot of a lot of originalism here from you, Carl, and maintained slavery to be a beneficial institution, indeed the only solution of the great problem of the relation of capital to labor and cynically proclaimed property in man, the cornerstone of the new edifice, then the working classes of Europe understood at once, even before the fanatic partnership of the upper classes, for the Confederate gentry had given its dismal warnings that slavehold that the slaveholders' rebellion was to sound the Tossian. That's a thing. It, I, I assume Ox it's an alarm. Toxin? Tossian. T-O-C-S-I-N. Um for a general holy war of property against labor, Carl, and that for the men of labor with their hopes for the future, even their past conquests were at stake in the that tremendous conflict. On the other side of the Atlantic, everywhere they therefore patiently... They bore, therefore, patiently the hardships imposed upon them by the cotton crisis, opposed enthusiastically the pro-slavery intervention, importunities of their betters, and from most parts of Europe contributed their quota of blood to the good of the cause. I, I want to finish the whole quote, but there's a lot of it. David. Yeah. Um, well, even before that, let's. Okay, pause. You know, yeah. I, very clearly, too, and this this underscores what we were just talking about, how this was the basis of capitalism. This is where capitalism sprung from was, was plantations, especially southern plantations. The cotton crisis that they're talking about that everyone felt, you know, it was very important that Du Bois touched on this. Um, I also like, let's see, where was it? The partisanship. He said, yeah, the fanatic partisanship of the upper classes. Like I, this is nothing new, the whole, you know, Democrats versus Republicans thing, you know, and, and Karl Marx was like, we don't give a shit about their little partisan stuff. We're on the side of labor. Yeah. Yeah. But he did it with a lot of cringe. Lot he, of, did, he did. He did. He did. We're going to continue Guys, on. We're going to read well, Carl when he's right. I don't like, I don't like the first part of this. While the working men, the true political power of the North, allowed slavery to defile their own republic, while the, before the Negro mastered and sold without his concurrence, they boasted it the highest prerogative of the white-skinned laborer to sell himself and choose his own master, they were unable to attain the true freedom of labor or to support the European brethren in their struggle of emancipation. But this barrier to progress has been swept off by the Red Sea of Civil War. Yep, the working no more, men no more labor disputes now we did it 
The working men of Europe felt sure that as the American War of Independence initiated a new era of ascendancy for the middle class, so the American anti-slavery war will do for the working classes. They considered an earnest sign of the epoch to come that it fell to the lot of Abraham Lincoln, the single-minded son of the working class, and led his country through the matchless struggles for the rescue of the enchained race and the reconstruction of the social of a social world. Carl? I get that you're writing Lincoln a letter right now. I get that mm-hmm. you are ass kissing to a person. Now, I'm not sure and, why. And doing so, doing so excited about the emancipation of slavery. So I'll give him that, too. Sure. I'll couch that. Abraham Lincoln, the single-minded son yeah. of the working class. Yeah. We've read a little bit about why that might not be the case. Mm-hmm. Again, if if uh, if Gloria De La Riva were to write a letter to Joe Biden after passing some milk toast labor rights bill that we all know isn't going to really solve anything, and called him the single-minded son of the working class, we could dunk on her. We can dunk on Marx when he does the same thing to Linko. Again, I'm not putting yeah. Riva on Marx's level. There's not a great analogy there. But, I, you know, you follow me, okay? Call out bullshit when it comes. This stinks. Write another letter to Engels. You didn't need to do this, Marks. Keep reading. The first fruit of the growing understanding between the industrial expansion of abolition democracy was the Freedmen's Bureau. While industry in the North was dividing the labor movement and establishing a far more effective di- dictatorship of capital over labor than it had ever had before it was compelled in the south to institute another dictatorship designedly and expressly for the protection of emancipated negro labor in the freedmen's bureau the united states started upon a dictatorship by which the landowner and the capitalist were to be openly and deliberately curbed and which has directed its efforts in the interest of a black and white labor class interesting that that uh, du Bois explicitly is going and again remember I mean he's no stranger to Marx he cited himself several times here yeah. we looked at the year this was after he he turned towards Marxism he's made some materialist analysis yeah. and now he's very explicitly alluding to a dictatorship of the bourgeoisie getting stronger under capital if and when universal suffrage came to reinforce this point of view an entirely different development of American industry and American civilization must ensue the Freedmen's Bureau was the most extraordinary and far-reaching institution of social uplift that America has ever attempted. Damn. It had to yeah, it had to do not simply with emancipated slaves and poor whites, but also with the property of southern planters. It was government guardsmanship for the relief and guidance of white and black labor from a feudal agrarianism to modern farming and industry. For this work, there was there was and had to be full-fledged government of men. Okay, so real quick here, this sounds a lot. And again, I'm not. I I do again. I don't want to generalize. I don't. But I'm just trying to. I, I feel like this is the closest we've we've been kind of hinting at this a little this episode where this feels much more like our attempt at something close to a revolution. This was mm-hmm. a revolution for a certain class of people. I don't want to say we because. Me as white person, this had nothing to do with my revolution. Sure. But this was absolutely revolutionary, and at the same time, that yeah, it was in charge of of the you know ensuring the emancipated slaves' freedom. It's also in charge of how to move the country from agrarian farming over to modern agriculture. That sounds yeah. like a planned a portion of a planned economy that sounds like a miniature and that's industrialization that's a miniature five-year plan in and of itself that's a government agency in charge of of rapidly industrializing an agrarian society into an agricultural one i mean the 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 parallels are very much there i would say if, if i'm not reaching too hard here yeah yeah and and again you don't have to make its parallel just to see what it is for what it is you know i mean it was the greatest gain for black people and even for white people in the south that there had ever been and the problem is going to come when capital you know i mean when this turn comes and capital comes a storming down i mean we know the end of this book does not end well and it's just it's like this it's like an ominous found footage horror where you know everybody's going to die at the end and you're just like freaking out anyway um 
and we're going to enter into a quote. They ju- I don't know when the jump scare comes and, and a man in a clan hood jumps out of the bushes at me to take away all of the good feelings I've had in this book, David. <laughs> or why it's in black and white. Or I don't, I also don't know why it's in black and white. That's also a weird thing. It's, it's a, it's a period piece. It's a mood. I don't like any of it. Jumping into a quote here. It made laws, executed them and interpreted them. It laid and collected taxes, defined and punished crimes, maintained and used military force and dictated such measures as it thought necessary and proper for the accomplishments of its varied ends. Naturally, all these powers were not exercised continuously, nor to their fullest extent. And yet, as General Howard had said, scarcely any subject that has to be legislated upon in civil society failed at one point in time or another to demand the action of the singular bureau. Damn. The, thus, the Freedmen's Bureau, which rose automatically as a result of the slaves' general strike during the war and came directly out of the consolidation of the various army departments of Negro affairs, now loomed as the greatest plan of reasoned emancipation yet proposed. This also, this reason- I'm sorry, I hate, I, I'm sorry. But that that line right there, I, when we talk about things that were left out of the video, things that mm-hmm. were left out of this telling, that yeah. that's another and that's a phrase that so easily should have been included in something like this. Why are you not referring to because, again, Du Bois put it. It, it was the first time I'd ever heard it described this way, but it was 100 percent accurate. Black slaves went on strike. The black the, the mm-hmm. working class that, that maintained the southern agricultural machine committed a general strike that brought the country to its knees. That's what forced it. That and not a small group of radical abolitionists fighting for yeah. the rights of it. No, it was a general strike by the people that brought this mm-hmm. to its knees. And that's what you should be focusing, not Frederick Douglass and the radical group. Again, nothing against Frederick Douglass. But you don't need to make it great man theory when it wasn't. It was people on the ground doing this. Apologies. Continue. I'm fired up. No, you're good. You're good. You're good. good, good, good. <laughs> for this reason, the bill for its establishment met covert and open opposition. It was opposed by all advocates of slavery and all persons north and south who did not propose that the emancipation should really free the slaves. <laughs> it was advocated by every element that wanted to achieve this vast social revolution by reasoned leadership, money, and sacrifice. It was finally emasculated and abolished by those in the North who grudged its inevitable cost and by the Southern sentiment which passed the Black Codes. This just feels like, can you imagine today? Mm -hmm. Let's say today. Let's let's just say for shits and grins Obama did it just for fun. Let's say Barack Obama tried to institute a government program that was able to write, interpret, enforce its own laws. So all three branches of government by itself and had basically complete autonomy to do whatever it needed to do to enforce civil rights legislation in the face of Black Lives Matter. In the face of racial justice in this country and not actually achieving social Mm -hmm. equality, we created a like completely independent entity to go out and can you imagine how shit would hit the fan and how hard mm. it would hit now imagine that you're doing that right after a bunch of people just fought and died explicitly to keep slaves i cannot foresee mm-hmm. how this will possibly go wrong at any point <laughs> and like you said you know i mean it was sunk it was sunk by by the dirty dirty forces of capital and the slaveholders and you know it and yeah, then no one really personalist. wanted it and that the I mean, no one truly there was no will for this. No one who yeah, actually except had for, to of course, stand, the, the freedmen themselves. But, but that's the thing that 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 they're there. And we're going to get to it. I'm sure how representation broke down. But at the end of the day, we know how laws are made in this country, how they're enforced, how they maintain on the books. Mm-hmm. And it is through the it's through the tacit endorsement of capital. If capital doesn't want you there, you're not going to continue to exist. Period. No, you might be there for its song just to calm people down and stop the little uprising, but you're going to get stripped away. Yeah. Again, you know, it's if not social just- security did not provide a tangible benefit to capital, it would not exist. <laughs> oh, it's been I mean, it's been hacked away at for a long time. And too, they, and they still keep a base level because, again, capital wrecking again, letting people just die because well, they're, they're poor yeah. is one thing. But giving them just enough money to live destitute, but still pumping some machine money back into the machine as they die slowly. That's important. They need that. Yeah. But I mean, here the same thing, right? Like there's some level that has to be maintained of we don't have chattel slavery anymore. 
but unless you're arrested, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's 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 the stuff's hacked away at. It's it's not just you know, it's important that people name a stage of of neoliberalism, right? Like mm-hmm. it's it's important to distinctify that's the modern stage of liberalism. But in the end, neoliberalism is liberalism, and if oh, you yeah. don't see them as the same thing, you're you're looking at it wrong, possibly on purpose. And which is why yeah. <laughs> it's important to know what neoliberalism is, but I, I'm careful to use that term a lot the same way I'm careful to use, you know, leftists a lot, right? Fascist. What's that? Fascist. You need to use yeah. fascist correctly. That's a broad term that we lump onto people yeah. that are not fascists, and it's important to use it correctly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so there's there's important news. Uh, that said, you know, I mean, for everything that neoliberalism is, that stripping away of ev- everything that was gained, because again, you know, it, the purpose of these capitalist governments, it's why it's a dictator to the bourgeoisie, is what we read in Lenin, is to uphold the ruling class and the ruling class interests. And if that means making a compromise to siphon out pressure from a burgeoning uprising, and then scaling back that compromise the second people are too calmed down to fight over it, that's what they're gonna fucking do, and that's what they did right here with the Freedmen's Bureau. Very quickly, very quickly. Um, a, last paragraph. Go. Yeah, a bill to establish a bureau in the War Department for the care of refugees and freedmen was passed March third, eighteen sixty-five. It had been proposed as early as eighteen sixty-three when a number of petitions for a bureau of emancipation were presented to Congress. In January eighteen sixty-three, less than a month after the Emancipation Proclamation, T. D. Eliot introduced into the house the first bill but the committee did not report it and the freedmen's aid societies renewed their petition and that is where we are going to leave off for this week um i i spoiler alert guys next week i can see charles sumner is going to make an appearance i cannot yet <laughs> claim whether we will see a real american hero thaddeus stevens i cannot say it definitively um but i can say that chuck is going to make an appearance and we're going to do our best um that being said uh this has been uh mark's madness uh, it was about a 50 50 split this week guys we did some goof ups up top we did some silly and then we read a book for about half an hour we read three pages of that book i don't need your sass i heard it i know it i understand we didn't read more than a page book. enjoy that more than a page also i will follow through on my threat that i made on twitter and i'll just start using the voice tweet thing to read a sentence of this book at a time as a as a tweet storm and that's how you're gonna have to listen to this so you know would you would just take what we've got okay we're working on it um that being said uh if you would like to report to us the various ways in which we have failed you this week and other weeks uh you can do that in a number of ways the first of which is to email us uh that's marks madness pod at gmail.com um mm-hmm. it's it's there we read it um the next way is to hit us up on the Twitter. Uh, the you know the timelines there, where and then the DMs are open. Uh, uh, Mark's Madness Pod at at Mark's Madness Pod on Twitter. That's that's our handle there. Um, and last but not least, you can always, of course, join us in the Discord. And by us, I do, of course, mean me, just me, all me. Um, I, I I I regulate. Um, you know, I'm not there twenty four seven, but I'm there most of the mm-hmm. time. Um, we're doing stuff and everyone that shows up, I, I greatly appreciate you and everyone contributes, contributes to the conversation and we play the video games. I have internet now, so I can play video games with everybody again. I think by the time you'll have heard this, I will have already, but, uh, last, a couple Fridays ago, go to Dumb and Awful's, uh, Twitch stream and we're playing Jackbox tomorrow on Friday, the 16th of October. So a bunch of funny leftist people will be playing Jackbox and making funny jokes. Um, it'll be fun. Uh, go watch the on-demand stream of that so that Dumb and Awful can get Twitch money. It's good. They need to pay rent. Uh, meanwhile, David, I can't remember the last time we disclaimed. Can you disclaim for me? Uh, sure, yeah. So something about this podcast is, you know, it was never started to be like, we were going to start a podcast. We just went to, to read a book. But for what it's become, um, we are happy to help people read. That's something very, very important to us is to get this theory out there. Well, and to make no, it to be accessible. clear, we do not help people read. Uh, okay. I am not hooked on phonics. I do not. I'm trying to teach my kid to read right now. I have no idea okay. how to do it. If anyone knows are, how to do that, teach me. But I, I, we ain't that. Fair enough. Okay. So, <laughs> where did that poorly? I'm already getting corrections on my disclaimers. <laughs> God damn it. I've never interrupted uh, a disclaimer one time. I get one. Yes. Yes. So, I, I that means I really fucked up. Uh, so, anyway. <laughs> um, uh, but from the get-go, something we've always said and always meant 
is that hopefully you're in some kind of group organization and whatever political education discussion reading group you are doing uh, is reading along with these works and having its own discussions. And then this can be complimentary, give you like, you know, more in-depth context, uh, give you another voice, another opinion out there to, to take in and better understand this book because those discussions really help that theory hit home. Um, what's more likely is you're probably in a group that does political education and is doing a different work and then in those cases hopefully you're reading along with this and then we are again giving you that reading group giving you that discussion um, and giving you that deeper context save that on the works that we kind of do an overview uh, hopefully we can at least be your cliff notes and and the ones we do this we can hopefully be at least be your enhanced audiobook uh, where we do every sentence like this uh, but whatever an audiobook with an hour of other other nonsense on other top of blathering it. on about god knows what um, it's an audiobook with ads that you didn't want to hear <laughs> um but that said with all of that you know the importance is making this theory accessible to you and making sure that you understand this theory uh and that we are you know pointing you to good books to read um and helping you you know get along with with reading them and understanding them and comprehending them um and always remember that all of this theory means nothing unless it's put into action and the whole purpose of this theory is to guide your actions because theory is for the betterment of praxis and praxis is theory and action. They go hand in hand. They cannot be split up. Bada bing, bada boom, guys. Uh, as always, thank you all for listening and we will join you uh, again next week. I don't think we're going to be at two a week yet by the time you hear this. We definitely won't. That's That would be, no, we won't do that. But but you're going to hear from goal. A, You'll hear from us again, at least on Wednesday. Still at, the very, at the very least, seven calendar days from the time you hear this, you can hear a new one. Uh, wherever you get your fine podcasts, because we are Mark's Madness Pod. My name has been Nathan. My name's David. And we will talk to y'all next time. Bye!